Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight would be a night where we remember the incredible, unbelievable, unimaginable sacrifice that you've made for us. Every day, Lord, I'm humbled to remember that you love me so much that even in my sin, you died for me. You died for each person in this room, and we're so grateful. And tonight on Good Friday, Holy Friday, Sacred Friday, the unbelievable Friday, we remember that you died a brutal death on the cross. Help us tonight, Lord, remember you. Help us tonight to never forget that beautiful sacrifice. Help us tonight to remember the extended arms of your love and the, the, the nails in your hands and and feet, and the crown on your brow, everything, Lord, as we talk about it, may your Holy Spirit penetrate our hearts and help us know that you love us so much, so much. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Didn't take me long to start crying. Good Friday really is one of the hardest nights for me because And I'm not quite sure why it is, but other than I know that God has saved me, and I know that God has saved you, and I know that this is what it took to save us, is for our Savior, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. 750 years before Jesus died on that cross, it was prophesied that he would die on that cross. In the book of Isaiah, there's a, a series of chapters called the Suffering Servant Chapters. And, and uh, we read passages like this. I won't read the entire passage to you. But we read, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. If you ever wonder if Jesus understands you in your pain, in your circumstance, in your situation, in your anguish or suffering that you're going through? He does. Verse 4, surely he took upon our pain, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. What an amazing set of words. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was cruised, uh, crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I like how defined that is. We are healed. It doesn't say we might be, we could be, we should be, we maybe would be. It says we are healed. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 10 says in that same passage, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. 
And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he gives it freely to us. Lastly, in this little suffering passage in Isaiah, it says, For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He bore our sin, my sin, your sin. He bore everybody's sin 750 years before he ever stepped foot on the planet. It was prophesied. This was a plan. This was a strategy. This was the the direction that God said, I am going to go so that I can bring hope and wholeness and health and healing and, and forgiveness of sins and redemption and hope and joy and peace and everything that comes with being saved. It was predicted and planned and strategized. And there was a day, we call it Christmas, when God came from heaven to earth to be our Savior. And it's from that point on that he began to go through some things that you and I can't imagine. You and I can't imagine. He, he, he was born to a virgin. He, he uh, grew up, and we don't know a lot about his growing up days. We know he grew up in a carpenter's home. Uh, we, knew, we know that he... Uh, <clears throat> uh, continued to to kind of hang out with his parents and there was a funny moment in his early childhood where kind of ran ran and did his own thing and his parents freaked out and you know oh no we lost God what do we do can you imagine (laughs) he went through this life and he lived it perfectly I can't I can't say that I don't think anybody in this room could say that if you can Uh, Let's have a long talk. But none of us can say we lived a perfect life. And he lived a perfect life. And even though he lived a perfect life, he was punished. He knew what he had come for. He knew exactly what the plan was. He knew everything that was going on. He knew what he had to do. And he continued to do miracles. He continued to frustrate the religious and he continued to, to reach out to those that were hungry and, and hoping for something more than just a religious experience. And he gave it to them, life and love and relationship and all those things. And uh, it came down to the very last. And I'm going to walk through a series of moments in Jesus' life where he bled. He bled unjustly. He didn't need to bleed. He, he, he had to bleed for you and me. But it wasn't right that he had to bleed. It should have been our blood should have been our death our punishment our cross everything that we should have bore he bore for us in matthew or i'm sorry in luke chapter 22 verse 44 we find jesus praying in the garden this is just before he's ready to go into the crucifixion process and go through the whole thing of the crucifixion and we find him in the garden with his buddies uh, peter james and john who are asleep And he's praying, and he's praying in anguish. In verse 44, it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I have in here grapes. And grapes often in our uh, communion experience are symbolized of his broken body and the blood that he bore for our sin and shed for our sin. And, 
as he was praying, he continued to, to realize that what the sacrifice was going to mean, it was going to mean that he had to be poured out. He had to be crushed. He had to be broken. And it was at this point of prayer, he's praying and saying, God, and this is where we probably see Jesus at his most human point. If it's, if it's possible that this cup pass from me, let it be. But if it's not, not my will, but your will. It was this moment where he's praying and he's earnestly pouring out his heart and saying, God, I need your strength. I need your strength. And it got so intense that the capillaries in his, his skin, the capillaries in his, in his body burst and drops of blood begin to pour out. There's a, 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 a medical term. It's called hematidrosis. It's the small capillaries Burn, burst under high stress. It's an actual thing that God, that Jesus did when he was praying so intensely. And this blood began to pour out of his pores, break under his skin because it's so intense, so powerful, such a realization that not only is he going to go to the cross, but he is going to bear the sins. This sinless man is going to go and bear the sins. Your sins and my sins and the entirety of the world's sins. Not only that, but just after that moment, he gets up and he wakes up his buddies and he says, hey, can't you just stay awake? Can't you see it's a little intense here? And I, I, I can't imagine what they were feeling, like, oh, man, sorry, oh, my bad. I don't think they took it lightly as they probably realized that not only was he sweating, but his sweat was red. We move on to a moment where Jesus was uh, being judged. And in the garden where he was praying, eventually Judas would come and kiss him and he would say, this is the man that you need to take. And they took him. And what happened at that point was unbelievable. He was beaten after the, the judgment, again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. This is Mark chapter 14. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do you need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And this is where it happened. They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some spat at him. They blindfolded him, struck with their fists. And said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. And again, the blood flows. This is for you and me. It's not because he did something wrong. It's because we did something wrong. Beating, spitting, mocking, struck in the face. Some people believe his beard was pulled out. Awful, awful experience. I don't know about you, but every time I think about my own sin, these kinds of stories come up, and I realize that this was the extension of his love. This was no, this was no mistake. This was no, again, this was a strategy. 
Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Why? Because he loves you and me. In Matthew chapter 27, we find that he is uh, with Pilate, and Pilate says, hey, I, I, don't want to, I don't see any guilt worth death here. I don't see the problem, and Barabbas, a, a criminal, a person who was a, a traitor or a rabble-rouser to the, 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 to the Romans, um, was another prisoner at the time, and, and there was a, a, a process or a uh, a ceremony that they would go through at times where you could, they could, uh, the Jews could ask to release a prisoner. And so, would you rather release Jesus or would you rather release Barabbas? And instead of the Jews, the ones that were on Palm Sunday worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and watching him come in on a donkey and praising him, now they're saying, no, release Barabbas to them. Release Barabbas. Reject Jesus. And verse 26 says, but then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. That's easy reading right here. It's easy reading. It's, it's, oh, he got flogged. He must have just gotten beat up a little bit, but this was far, far from any beating that anyone could ever, ever experience. I chose not to show this video tonight because I think it's uh, a little hard for some people to see, but there's, uh, in The Passion of the Christ, probably the one movie that I've seen that actually depicts the pain and the sorrow and the hurt and the suffering of Jesus better than any other. But it was in this flogging where they stretched him out on a post. And the purpose of this flogging was to bring you as close to death without you dying as possible. And so they would stretch your hands up on this post and they would stretch you so that your skin on your back was tight. And then they'd take this, this whip that had uh, rock and glass all attached to the, st- the strips that are in the whip. And then they would, it was, and they, they were long. They were long like this. And they would whip across the back. And when, if it was a skilled soldier, he would twist when he turned to pull the, the whip back and it would pull the skin and it would wrap around the rib cage and then pull the flesh right off the back. In many cases, some people would die because of the shock, the, the strain, the stress, but more importantly, the blood loss that would happen in these circumstances. This was the, 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 the whipping that Jesus went through for you and for me. These were the stripes that he bore so that you and I could be healed. These were the things that Jesus went through to pour out his blood. He didn't just pour out his blood on the cross. We often hear that, oh, he, he, he took nails in his hands or he, got, he, he went through uh, the crown of thorns. We kind of see that. But this was the worst part of the bloody process. This was the point where he was being whipped and, and quite often 39 times what they estimated was the, the, the time that a human being could bear that kind of punishment and it would pull off his flesh. Many people said there's probably no original uh, top of layer of skin on his back by the time they were done. For your sins and my sins. His blood was shed so that you and I could have life and life abundantly. 
He was flogged. The governor, then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Can you imagine having that happen after you've been beaten and flogged? It's by this that he's probably experiencing a thing called hypovolemic shock. It's known as hemorrhagic shock, and it's just basically what happens when you lose one-fifth of your, your, blood's, uh, one-fifth of your blood in your body. And you begin to shake, you begin to shiver, you begin to feel that shock, you begin, your body begins to weaken, you're, 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 you're uh, not in your clear mind. We don't know, we're not told what Jesus thought at this time. They put a staff in his hand and they made fun of him. And they twisted together a crown of thorns. And, um, it's not hard to imagine this. There's, there's bushes around here. I'm not even sure what they're called, but they have these thorns that are about this long. And if you get them when they're green, you can twist them around and make them into a, a crown. And if you try to even tried to put them on your head, you'd feel the, those thorns just pierce your brow. I'm sure these soldiers took no, um, didn't take it easy at all and, and uh, pressed that thorn right into his brow and many thorns. And ah, it's just unbelievable what Jesus was going through for you for me the beautiful pouring out of his blood is your sin and my sin it's the covering it's the washing it's the cleansing of our hearts it's the hope of eternal life we can't get there on our own there's nothing we can do to earn our way to heaven we can't pay a big enough price we can't bleed enough blood because our blood's impure but his was pure and they beat him. And they pressed the crown of thorns on his head to shame our Christ, to shame Jesus. Of course, from there, and I can't go through everything and all the experiences that I'm sure he had, but he, he carried the cross to Golgotha. He, 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 he was so weak and so um, <clears throat> empty of his own blood that they finally had someone help him carry the cross up the hill. Once he got there, would lay him down, most likely tie his hands, tie his feet. And then they would take the hammer and a nail, and they would put it just below the wrist right here. And if you can think of it, it was just one of those moments where it's like, oh. We didn't have to go through that. It's our Jesus who loves us so much. And he took every blow on purpose, planned out through his hands into his feet. And it was there that he would eventually breathe his last. We don't have time to go through the whole crucifixion experience, and I'm sure it's enough already to hear what he's gone through, but that the whole purpose of the cross is not to uh, just display a body, but to suffocate a body. The purpose of the cross was to, uh, <clears throat> as you're on the cross, as you look, 
rested your arms, you would, you would restrict the breathing in your chest. And so the only way to get a breath was to push up on your feet, let the pressure off on your shoulders, and, and open up your chest so that you could take a breath. And that would be the way Jesus would continue through the whole process, even still while he's on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. He cried out at one point, it is finished. And I love that phrase, it is finished. It was in the video, and I, I especially like that part because what is finished? His life? Our hope? No. The work that it took for your sin and my sin to be forgiven was finished. That is a finished work. You and I will never have to do anything to earn forgiveness. You and I will never have to do anything to earn our right into heaven. Why? Because that work has been done. And we can celebrate that work. It was a brutal death. It was an awful experience. It was crazy that he had to go through all of that for your sin and my sin. But when he breathed that last and he said, it is finished, that's when the work was done. And maybe you're here tonight because you're having some kind of religious experience and you think, man, I'm going to go gain God's favor by going to church on Friday night on Good Friday. You're wasting your time. He loves you already. He's done the work. The work has been done. The cross is finished. He finished the work on the cross. There's nothing to earn there. There's nothing to do that. Everything we do now is an expression of our love and obedience to him. That's it. There's nothing to earn. There's nothing to achieve other than, God, we love you, we praise you, and we're here to serve you because of what you've done for us. Our, everything we do now in our giving, in our living, in our serving, in our obedience is all about a worship expression to him, not a way to earn our way to heaven. Why? Because it is finished. The last place that he shed blood was after he died. Instead of breaking his legs, which in most cases, this uh, crucifixion experience was a long experience. And what the Romans would do is they'd come along and they'd break the legs of the, the person on the cross so that they could no longer push themselves up and they would eventually suffocate. Jesus didn't die that way. He died before they broke his legs. And so in order to find out if he was really dead, they thrust a, a spear into his side and a cross into his heart. And out came blood and water, which is the, the, the biological um, event that happens when we die. I don't, I, I'm not going to try and explain all of that because I don't fully understand it. But I know that there's water and blood. And when you poke it, out comes water and blood. And that was the definitive part of knowing that Jesus was dead. This wasn't a fake. wasn't a tease. He actually died for your sin and my sin. Galatians 3.13 says this. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Maybe some of what I've done has been graphic. Maybe some of it has disturbed you. Or maybe some of it, hopefully, has challenged you to realize that God loves you so very much. The purpose of Good Friday is not just to recognize this crucifixion and go, oh, yeah, the Jesus you know, died on a cross. Oh, yeah, I wear a cross all the time. No, this is what really happened. He suffered. He died. He bled. He hurt. He went through pain. He bore our sins, and he shed his blood so that you and I could experience forgiveness. These grapes in this wine press were crushed. And as you press on them, the blood comes out. And this is exactly what happened with Jesus. And so tonight, we're going to symbolize and remember Christ's death by receiving communion. There are crackers and there's juice right from these grapes available to anybody who would like to receive communion tonight. In just a minute, before we receive communion, I want to ask... Is there anybody here tonight? You came and you came because it's Good Friday. You came because it's a religious day. You came because uh, a friend asked you to come, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But tonight you've realized the price that Christ paid for you. You've realized that this was a plan 750 years, actually from the very beginning of creation. We don't have time to go through all that, but 750 years those prophetic words were written about what Jesus would do for you and for me. And he did it 750 years later. And we have the hope of eternal life. We have the promise of forgiveness of sins and a cleansing of our sins. This is what Jesus did for us. This is the love he showed. I love one of my favorite verses is but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. And I believe with all my heart that tonight there might be someone here that you just need to say, Jesus, thank you so much for dying on a cross. I receive your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. I need my sins to be forgiven. And as you ask him to forgive you of your sin, Remember what he's done for you. He bled for you. He bore your sins. And now, as you pray that prayer of forgiveness and you ask him to forgive you, his first words will be, absolutely. Then the Bible says all we have to do is believe in Easter, believe in the resurrection, that he came alive three days later, which we'll celebrate on Sunday. And if you believe those two things, that he died for you, that he came out of that grave for you, and that you'll follow him for the rest of your life. The Bible says you will be saved. I want to pray that prayer before we receive communion because I would not encourage anyone who hasn't received Christ to receive communion. But if you have tonight, then in just a moment, we will share communion together. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the incredible sacrifice that you made for you and me, or for, for me and, and for everyone in this room. 
that sacrifice that you made to redeem a relationship that's been broken. And I pray right now for anybody in this room that has yet to accept you as Lord and Savior, that right now, maybe they would realize that you love them so much, you went through all of this suffering so that we could have our sins forgiven. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would uh, help each person know where they stand with you. And that they would simply say this prayer. And if you have yet to accept Christ, but tonight's your night, you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept the work that I understand you did on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for bearing my sin. Thank you for dying on a cross so that I could have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you prayed the best prayer ever. And we'll celebrate what you did. But tonight, I want to encourage everyone in this room, as we get ready to receive communion, I'm going to ask Don and Colby to come up and prepare. What you're going to do is you're going to walk up here, and you're just going to get a, a cup and you're going to take a cracker, and I want you to come and get it, and then take it back to your chair, and we're going to all receive it together, okay? But I want you to do this because I, I think it's a symbol of just coming and saying, God, thank you so much. Instead of that little cup and that little wafer on top, let's come and get the juice that was squeezed out of these grapes that represents the brokenness of Christ, that represents our forgiveness of sins, and that cracker that represents the brokenness of his body. And then let's all receive that together as we finalize our thoughts tonight. So, if you will, as Leanna comes to lead us in another worship song, will you just come, get your cup, get your cracker, take it back to your table or your chair, and then in just a moment, we'll all receive communion together. God bless you.
nails in your feet They tell me how much you love me The thorns on your brow They tell me how You bore so much shame to love me
One of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in in communion is when I became most familiar with my own sense of sin. I know it's not a happy con- conversation. I know that um, you know if you came here tonight to have this experience of of this un believable joy. I I hope that you find it in the fact that this ugly experience, this crushing of of, of our Savior, this this sacrifice that he made was simply because he loved you. But what crushed my heart was realizing how painful I made it for God. How painful it was for him to forgive me of my sins. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this cup. I'm grateful for this cracker that represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. I hope you are tonight. I hope you're grateful for this cup that represents his blood. The Bible tells us to remember, never forget. Generation after generations that forget fall back. But generations that remember keep moving forward. So my encouragement to you tonight is let's never forget the love of Christ. God, we pray that you bless this symbol, this cracker that represents your broken body. I pray that you bless it and help us, Lord, as we take communion together as a family. May your name always be on the forefront of our minds. May your name always be true in our hearts that, Lord, you gave yourself to us. You gave your, your love, you gave your body, you gave every part of you so that we could have our sins forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us a clean, a clean slate, forgiven of our sins. We thank you for that. Bless the symbol of a cracker, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may receive the cracker. Lord, we thank you for this cup that represents your, the shedding of your blood. And we thank you so much for it, the garden, the beating you took on your face, on your back, the nails in your hands, the crown of thorns on your brow, the sword in your side, every part of your blood that was shed, we realize was done intentionally so that our sins could be forgiven. And we thank you for that. We receive this juice right now in Jesus' name. We receive it as a blessing to know that we will never forget the sacrifice you've made for us and the love you've shown us and the forgiveness you've given to us. We pray your blessing on this cup and and its contents in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.